Welcome to Lyme Dialogues, the podcast about Lyme disease. My name is Angela Knight. I'm a journalist and I'll be speaking to Lyme patients about their symptoms and how the disease has affected their lives. My guest today is the BBC's foreign correspondent, Alan Little. He's travelled the world reporting in war-torn places such as Iraq, Afghanistan, Africa, the Congo, Bosnia and Sierra Leone, never catching malaria or Ebola, but in 2012 he became seriously ill. I asked Alan if he'd ever heard of Lyme disease before. Oh yes, I was very familiar with it because my wife and I have been going for many years to uh, a little corner of Massachusetts where we have friends and we rent a cottage there, usually in July or September. And it's endemic there. It's very prominent there since the 1980s. So there are, there's a very effective public health campaign. So everywhere you go there, in country walks and even in towns, there are public notices up warning you of the risks of Lyme disease and training you to identify the ticks that carry it. So, yeah, I knew what it was. And I had friends who lived there who had had it. And how did you get bitten? I don't know. I wasn't aware of it at the time. I was on holiday there in July in 2012. We were living in London at that time. Came back to London, went back to work, and about I think it's about a week after getting back from the United States that I started to feel a bit crook one afternoon, and it very quickly overwhelmed me. And what were your symptoms? Can you remember? Yeah, the first symptom was just a feeling of exhaustion, very, very tired. And uh, I went home early from work and fell asleep in the afternoon. But I had a meeting that evening with my boss at 7pm. So I forced myself to get up and go to this meeting in town feeling dreadful. And then I started to get a headache in the evening. And the next morning when I woke up, I had a fever, a very, very bad headache, achy limbs. I'd been sweating all night. The bed sheets were absolutely soaking, very dehydrated, very concentrated urine. I would say flu-like symptoms. And I instantly thought this must be, I must have been bitten. This must be Lyme disease because I recognized the symptoms. And um, you went to a doctor. Did they know about Lyme disease? I didn't have a GP in London at that time. My GP's in Edinburgh. So I went to and paid for a GP consultation. And I said, I think this could be Lyme disease. And she went into, she said, oh, it can't be that. We don't see Lyme disease here in Fleet Street. (laughs) Yeah, but I told you, I've just spent three weeks in Massachusetts where it's endemic and has been for 30 years. And she, she tried. I mean, I'm not blaming her. It's entirely unfamiliar to her. She went into the bottom drawer of her desk and pulled out a kind of manual and flicked through till she came upon a line and started reading the symptoms. And I said, you're not filling me with confidence here, doctor. And she said, I can't diagnose Lyme disease. It doesn't seem uh, likely go home and take paracetamol. So I went home and the symptoms got worse. I didn't feel well enough to leave my flat. So I called a second doctor and paid for a second doctor to come and make a home visit. And he took a blood sample and gave me a very strong painkiller, prescription painkiller, and a generic antibiotic, which he said, look, you can take this, but it might, if you have got Lyme disease, it might make it unreadable in a blood test. So I took one antibiotic pill and the painkiller, which made me feel well enough to get on a train and come to Edinburgh, which is where my wife was, and our home in Edinburgh. While I was on the train, he rang and said, your Lyme disease test came back negative, but that's not conclusive. That doesn't mean you haven't got Lyme disease. And he said, there's something wrong with your liver. So uh, you might want to get that checked out. And so when I got back to Edinburgh, I called NHS Direct and they made an appointment for me within a couple of hours to see a GP at a hospital in Edinburgh. By this time, crucially, by this time I'd found the rash where the tick bite was because I hadn't seen it and it was at the back of my knee. It wasn't the distinctive sort of dartboard concentric rings rash. It was just a 
a big red rash with a little black dot in the middle of it on the back of my knee. And she instantly diagnosed Lyme disease because it was at that time much more common in Scotland than in the south of England. So they admitted me as an inpatient and said, uh, it's attacked your liver and you've got three kinds of inflammation in your liver. And I said, <laughs> I said to the consultant, are you sure that's not the vodka and Lyme disease? <laughs> Are you sure that's not, you know, alcohol related? And she said, no, no, it's not alcohol related, liver damage. But thanks for having a sense of humor about it. Actually, years later, I met her through a mutual friend, an Edinburgh doctor, and we had a drink together and I reminded her of this. And she said, oh my goodness, that was my first week in that job. I said, oh, crikey, if I'd known it was your first week, <laughs> I'm glad I didn't know at the time that you were new on the job. So yeah, so they treated me straight away with antibiotics. I had two weeks of antibiotics and I got a, a blood test every second day at this stage to monitor the effect on my liver. And within a few days, days, two of the distinctive kinds of inflammation in my liver had started to resolve themselves. And the third one kept going up, kept getting worse until about a week to 10 days in. And then it too started to come back to normal. And by the end of the um, two week antibiotic course, my liver was getting back to normal. But the symptoms persisted, not the headache, not the fever, not the sweating, not the dehydration, not the achy limbs for very long, but the fatigue was really bad. And the, what I used to call cotton wool brain, brain fog, where you just can't think straight. And that lasted a long time. It was about four months before I was able to go back to work. And even then I went back to work only on very easy assignments to begin with. So I would say it was about six months this was in July, so it was into the new year before I was able to work full time again. And how long were you in hospital for? Well, I was admitted as an inpatient, but I said to the consultant, do you mind if I don't sleep here? <laughs> My own bed is only 10 minutes away. Can I, can I get the bus home and come back in? Although strictly I was an inpatient, I didn't spend any overnights in the hospital. And she said, well, because you're not a delinquent, we'll let you go as long as you promise to be back in here by eight o'clock tomorrow morning. So I knew I wouldn't sleep well in a hospital bed. So I went home and slept at home. But I was treated as an inpatient, even though I was living at home. Have you actually recovered from Lyme, would you say? Yeah, I recovered very quickly. I mean, I, I, I don't think I had any lasting effects from it. I, I was treated very quickly, very effectively. It didn't take long for the antibiotics to kick in and resolve the most severe symptoms. The only lasting symptom was fatigue, and that lifted after a few months. And how many weeks was it from when you left Massachusetts and then ended up in hospital in Scotland? I think it was a week to 10 days, very quick. You're very lucky, aren't you? Yeah. Um, would you say from your experience that Scotland is more aware about Borreliosis than elsewhere? Well, it certainly was then because it was already very common in the Highlands and in places like Perthshire. I, I remember going up around the, the entrance to the woodland walks, warning people to look out for ticks and beware of ticks and tick-borne disease, including Lyme disease. So there was a much more general awareness of the danger, this new parasite in the UK. But, you know, Scotland's a much less densely populated country than England. And there's a habitat here for the ticks that, that carry the pathogen. Can you recommend anything that you think helped you recover? I think pacing yourself and not setting an artificial deadline saying, I'm going to be back at work by the end of next month. Make sure you're monitoring your symptoms. Give yourself time to get over it and don't set artificial deadlines and, and just take it easy and get all the rest you need and be careful what you eat. I mean, it's like general life lessons. Do as much exercise as you can. Uh, get out every day. What I found for the first few months was that I was able to do one thing a day. So one short walk or one domestic chore and that finished me for the rest of the day. So I think the key thing is not trying to do too much too soon. How do you think the medical system in the UK should be improved regarding Lyme disease? I still sense that there's a scepticism about it. 
among medical practitioners. I was treated very well by the consultant and the, her, her registrar, two women infectious diseases specialists at the Western General in Edinburgh. And they were very, very conscious and very, very good and had seen far, far worse people than me. In fact, a few years later, I met a man who was the brother of a friend of mine who was treated by the same registrar as me. And it had taken him far longer to get a diagnosis of Lyme disease because he, he had been infected much earlier than me. And he was still suffering quite long-term effects because the pathogen had been in his system for a long time before it was treated. So it, we were agreeing that the, the treatment available in Edinburgh was very good. But once you get past the scepticism, I think, of your GP uh, and get to infectious disease specialists, I think there's a you know, strong awareness of what this does to you. I still feel that some GPs are sceptical about it. Yes, surprisingly, because 22 years ago, I went to my GP with an EM rash and I said I'd like a test for Lyme disease. And I was just told you don't get it in this country. So Mm. the good thing is, is that I think things have moved on a lot since then because there is much more public awareness. The medical establishment perhaps is a bit slow to cotton on to it. We're in the middle of a COVID-19 pandemic. Do you see any similarities between Lyme and the coronavirus? Well, the symptoms are similar, except the Lyme disease doesn't affect normally the respiratory tract. But yeah, many of the symptoms are the same. COVID is supposed to be relapsing, they think. So that's the same as Lyme disease. And also the antibody testing seems to be fairly unreliable. I don't think there is any any dependable antibody testing for COVID now. That seems to be the problem with Lyme always, with false negatives. I never had a positive test for Lyme. It was diagnosed on symptoms alone, including crucially the rash, the rash where the tick bite had been. I mean, that was the difference, I think, between my Edinburgh consultation and the two I had in London. Well, now they're saying that a rash can suggest that you've been bitten previously where you didn't get a rash. Ah, So where does the rash come from then? Well, I think it's a build-up of the immune system sort of collapsing, really, and then the Mm. rash comes out. That's my understanding of it. Have you heard about the Lyme app for Scotland? Yeah. Is that up and running? Because they did a field test last August and I haven't heard anything more about it. Yeah, I haven't looked into it. I've heard about it. Is this the one that's run out of Inverness, the hospital in Inverness? Yes, and the European Space Agency has financed it. Yeah, yeah. I haven't paid much attention to it, but but I have heard about it. And the other thing is you can get it again. There's no immunity. Yes. A friend of mine in um, Massachusetts has had it twice. I personally think I had it twice. The other thing that I think is rather strange is that they don't test for all the strains and there are hundreds of strains of Lyme disease, like there are COVID-19. Well, Alan, thank you so much for your interview. Great. Good luck. All the best. Bye-bye. If you know others who'd be interested in Alan's Lyme story, please share this podcast. And if you'd like to tell me your Lyme story, do go to the website limedialogues.podbean.com. Thank you for listening. Until next time, take care and goodbye.